The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, August 4th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stocks enter the day near a two-month high. The Bank of England forecasts to raise rates by the most in more than a quarter of a century. The Senate overwhelmingly approves the addition of Finland and Sweden to NATO. Tesla holds a key shareholder meeting. And Walmart is the latest company to cut jobs. New York Mayor Adams frees up $100 million for city schools, plus the jury is deliberating in the Alex Jones. Jones defamation case. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Garrett Cole roughed up for the Yankee loss to Seattle. The Mets won easily. They start a big series with Atlanta tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down four points. Dow futures down 23. And NASDAQ futures down 16. The DAX in Germany is up three quarters of a percent. Ten-year treasury down 8.30 seconds. Yield 2.73 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 3.10 percent. Nathan. Karen, the S&P 500 enters today's session near a two-month high. The tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 index is at its highest level since early May. Corporate earnings and healthy economic data are helping to lift sentiment. And we get more from Northern Trust Bank Chief Investment Officer Katie Nixon. I think we came into this uh, really with, with such low sentiment, with such a negative positioning that we were due for a nice bounce like we've seen last week and sort of into this week. But is it sustainable in the face of a Fed that appears to be hell-bent on not stopping, not stopping? Katie Nixon in Northern Trust says the Fed may have to reverse course sooner than expected. She says inflation is slowing. Meantime, Nathan, the Fed continues to talk tough on inflation. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari is the latest to say it's the top priority. We are uh, laser-focused on getting inflation down. And, um, you know, whether we are technically in a recession right now or not, uh, it doesn't change my analysis. I'm focused on inflation and where inflation is likely going. And that is going to be that to me is what we have. My opinion is what we have to focus on right now. Neil Kashkari says a Fed rate cut next year is, quote, a very unlikely scenario. A monetary policy is also in focus overseas, Karen, as the Bank of England gets set to hike interest rates a few hours from now. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden in London. A Bank of England rate rise today is all but a done deal. The debate surrounds whether the UK central bank will, as Bloomberg Economics expects, hike by a half point for the first time in its independent history. The decision comes against a backdrop of inflation that's not only at a new 40-year high, but headed toward double digits in the fall. Officials are also expected to provide more detail on active quantitative tightening. 
In London, I'm Lizzie Bird in Bloomberg Daybreak. Lizzie, thank you. Turning to politics now, Finland and Sweden are getting a boost in their bid to join NATO. The U.S. Senate has now ratified their membership in the alliance. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The intention is to bolster NATO after the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The vote pretty amazing in a body that hasn't been able to agree on much of anything. The vote 95 to 1, far exceeding the two-thirds majority required. Now, Finland will join Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland as NATO countries that share a land border with Russia. Turkey has been on and off about the idea and could still try to block the move. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Putin has strengthened NATO. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Let's turn to corporate news now where Tesla is in focus. The electric car maker holds its highly anticipated shareholder meeting today. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The automaker calls its annual shareholders meeting a cyber roundup. And this year, the biggest item on the roundup agenda is the proposed three-for-one stock split, which would be the second one in as many years for Tesla after a five-for-one split in August of 2020. Now, the idea is to make shares, which will begin the trading day just above $922 apiece, more affordable to small-dollar retail investors and retail options traders, not just institutional investors. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Tom, thank you. Well, elsewhere on Wall Street, the wave of corporate downsizing continues. There's word now that Walmart is cutting about 200 corporate jobs. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The retail giant is contending with rising costs, bloated inventories, and weakening demand for general merchandise. Sources say the company will also be adding an unspecified number of jobs in areas such as e-commerce, health and wellness, supply chain, and ad sales. Walmart is tightening its belt a week after slashing its annual profit forecast for the second time in less than three months. American consumers are buying less clothing and durable goods as soaring inflation raises the cost of food. Food and basic items. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. And coming up today, the earnings parade continues with 50 companies reporting. Among them is Lyft, which comes on the heels of Uber's better than expected results. But Lyft is not Uber. Bloomberg's Jeff Fellinger explains. Lyft executives may lower the company's full year guidance during their conference call. Bloomberg Intelligence says sensor tower data indicate competition with Uber has been fierce. Downloads of the Lyft app declined year over year, and the increase in the number of monthly active users paled in comparison with Uber. BI speculates Lyft may seek partnerships similar to Amazon Grubhub to increase trip frequency. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Jeff. We are seeing some stocks on the move this morning following earnings. We get the latest live with the Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And current earnings guidance from Clorox fell well short of analyst estimates. Shares are down 6% pre-market if the company gave weaker than expected guidance for fiscal year 2023. The shares of the mobile games company skills tumbling in the pre-market. They're down 12%. They cut their full-year guidance for revenue. And shares of Lucid sinking 13% after the luxury electric vehicle startup cut in half this year's production target. Lucid has been dealing with supply chain snags and resulting production hiccups. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. S&P futures down four points, Dow futures down 27, NASDAQ futures are lower by 17 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 8.30 seconds. The yield, 2.73%. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. 
At 5.07 on Wall Street, we're at 77 degrees in Central Park. We've got an accident investigation closing the main road to the GWB in Fort Lee. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world, including rising tensions in the Asia-Pacific, Michael. That is correct, Nathan. China says it has conducted precision missile strikes in the Taiwan Strait as part of military exercises in six zones surrounding the island. The drills were prompted by a visit to the island by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi this week. China earlier this week warned airlines to avoid danger zones around Taiwan. It is going to be a hot one in the New York area. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. Good morning, Michael. The Bermuda High is going to set the tri-state area up for some warm weather over the course of the next several days. In fact, it's looking like the first half of August is going to be on the warm side. Today, the city and the surrounding area is close to 95, but it feels more like 100 with the humidity. That's why that heat advisory is in effect. We're in the 90s again tomorrow, close to 90 Saturday and Sunday. Michael? Rob, thanks. New York City Mayor Eric Adams pushed back against criticism that is continual focus on crime at press conferences is feeding into an overblown narrative that the city is is unsafe. Incidents of violent crime remain at historic lows in the city, but 75% of New Yorkers said crime was a very serious problem in a February poll. Adam spoke at his news conference yesterday. The numbers continue to trend in the wrong direction, continue to show that these repeated offenders are coming out. It would be irresponsible of me to ignore what is happening right now on our streets every day. Every day we're seeing this dangerous people repeatedly committing these actions. Meanwhile, Mayor Adams is freeing up $100 million in federal stimulus money for New York City schools. It comes after an outcry among parents and some educators over the city's plan to cut hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for city schools in the current fiscal year. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones says he was irresponsible to declare the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre a hoax. It's, it's, it's 100% real. As I said on the radio yesterday, and as I said here yesterday, uh, it's 100% real. The jury in Austin, Texas, began deliberating on how much the InfoWars host owes the parents of one of the children who were killed in the 2012 attack in Newtown, Connecticut. Testimony wrapped up after a bombshell from the plaintiff's lawyer revealed that Jones's lawyers mistakenly handed over two years of text messages from Jones's phone. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Almost 5.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. All right, good morning, Nathan. The Mets added some players before the trade deadline. Maybe not big names, although their new left-handed hitting DH is a big guy. Daniel Vogelback generously listed at 270 pounds. He came up in the fifth inning in Washington. 2-2 on the way from Weems. And Vogelback gets one of the air along the right field line. Back toward the corner. Back goes Palacios. And it's out of here. A grand slam for Daniel Vogelback. His first home run as a man, and he scores four. Rick Cohen had the SNY call. Mets took a 9-0 lead of the ninth inning. Another new Mets reliever, Michael Givens. He made his Mets debut. It did not go well. He got just two outs, gave up five runs. Mets beat the Nationals 9-5. They've won eight of the last nine. Atlanta lost, which means the big Mets-Braves five-game series that begins tonight at City Field starts with the Mets three and a half games ahead. Stadium, Seattle beat the Yankees 7-3, did almost all the damage. 
Top of the first inning, six runs on three Mariners home runs off Gary Cole. Second time this season he has served up three homers in the first. So Seattle, just the fourth opposing team to win a series in the box. And what could hardly be called a surprise, the NFL will appeal the ruling on the Deshaun Watson suspension for sexual misconduct. The independent arbitrator called for it to be six games, but the appeal process, as agreed to by both sides in the labor deal, calls for the commissioner, or at least someone designated by Roger Goodell, to be the one to rule on the appeal. So the NFL appealing to themselves. They would then be allowed to make the suspension longer. Players Association may then follow with a lawsuit. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. S&P futures now down three points. South futures down 27. NASDAQ futures lower by 12 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 830 seconds. Yield 2.73%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather will be under a heat advisory later this morning until 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Highs near 95 today and tomorrow. Upper 80s, chance for showers and storms by Saturday. Right now, 78 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks holding modest gains as investors assess the corporate profit outlook while wagers on further Federal Reserve interest rate hikes lifts Treasury yields. U.S. stock index futures are a little changed after stocks yesterday snapped a two-day decline. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures as well as NASDAQ and Dow futures are all little changed. The DAX in Germany is up three-quarters of a percent. The 10-year Treasury down 630 seconds, yield 2.72 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.09%. NYMEX crude oil is down two-tenths of a percent, or 15 cents at $90.51 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1%, or $17.70 at 17.94, 10 an ounce. The euro, 1.0187 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2167. And the yen, 134.33. And looking at Bitcoin, down 2% at $22,850. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. China is staging live-fire military drills in six self-declared zones surrounding Taiwan. It is in response to a visit by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to the island Beijing claims as its own territory. The Senate ratified adding Sweden and Finland to NATO, a move intended to bolster the military alliance after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Closing arguments in WNBA star Brittany Griner's cannabis possession case in Russia are set for today. In baseball, the Mariners beat the Yankees 7-3. The Mets beat the Nationals 9-5. The Red Sox and Giants lost. The Orioles and A's won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and 519 means we are about uh, one hour and 41 minutes away from a policy decision from the Bank of England. In uh, just that stretch of time, we find out if the BOE joins the long list of countries fighting inflation with more aggressive interest rate hikes. Ahead of that, we're joined by Dan Hansen, senior UK economist at Bloomberg Economics. Dan, good morning. The consensus is that the BOE will 
go ahead with a 50 basis point hike. But after the last several months of smaller increases, what are the chances we get another downside surprise? Oh, good morning. Um, so I think I think the chance of a downside surprise are, are, are quite low, actually. I think I think the the bank has set itself up for this for this big move. If you remember back in the middle of July, Andrew Bailey in his Mansion House speech put a 50 basis point hike firmly on the table, and I think they're going to follow through today. What's the risk that a 50 basis point hike brings the UK? closer to a recession or is the uk in a recession already that's a really good question i mean i think the big thing in the uk at the moment is this cost of living squeeze so we've got sky high inflation and incomes just aren't keeping keeping up and i think what the bank's doing it's it's doing its best to keep inflation expectations in check um and that's why we're seeing these this move towards a faster pace of rate hikes i mean in answer to your question directly i don't think we're in recession just yet um, but there is a significant risk of it, particularly around the turn of the year. And actually, that'll be one of the things we'll be watching for the bank from the bank today, I should say. They're, um, they're going to be putting out new forecasts, and it's, it's possible they forecast a recession in the near term. Yeah, there's a debate here in this country, of course, about whether inflation expectations are moving toward uh, a situation where we're seeing uh, less less inflation now that uh, Federal Reserve policy is starting to have an impact. Is the situation a little different in the UK now? Is inflation getting more entrenched? Yeah, so there have been a few surveys recently that have suggested that expectations have drifted higher. I mean, one thing about the UK as well is that we're likely to get a peak of inf- our peak for inflation is likely to come a little bit later, and that's to do with the way energy prices are set. So we're we're likely to see our peak for inflation in uh, towards the end of this year, probably in October, and it will be likely in double digits as well. So probably around twelve percent. So probably a higher peak than the US as well. So that's one reason to think that the Bank of England is going to keep its foot on the brake and continue tightening just until it sees sees through the peak and sees sort of strong evidence that inflation is coming back down, which is only really likely to happen sort of in the middle of next year. Given that you're expecting that we could see a forecast for recession from the BOE uh, later this morning, how has the bank's outlook panned out in the past? I mean, there is some concern that the BOE has been behind the curve when it comes to tackling this cost of living crisis, no? Yeah, that is true. That is something that has been leveled at the bank. I mean, one thing I'd say in their defense is that they started tightening earlier than other advanced um, economy central banks. So they, they do have that in their favor. And I also think that neutral rate in the, the UK, so the, the rate that sort of neither speeds up nor slows down the economy is a little bit lower as well. So they probably, they're probably closer to that level than certainly the ECB is. Um, and we know the Fed is sort of thinks it's around that level now. Um, but I think certainly on the forecast, they've been hugely surprised by inflation. Um, and they've, if you look back, Sort of even a year ago, they were thinking the peak for inflation was going to be around 4%. And I think today they'll probably say it's somewhere close to 12%. So that's that's a pretty big forecast error. Along with the uh, rate hike decision, we're also expecting uh, to get a little bit more clarity on what the BOE is going to do about its balance sheet. In our last minute here, Dan, what are the expectations there? So what the bank's done is it's it's sort of taken a two-step process. So the the first thing it did in February was um, end uh, reinvestment of government bonds. So when when the gilts redeem, they don't reinvest those proceeds, and they've been they've been doing that since February. What they're going to start doing now, or 
I should say, set out more detail on how they will go about um, active sales. Um, and we'll be looking for that today. I mean, as I say, it'll be it'll be more around the detail. It won't be around, um, they won't have any sort of vote on it, and that's going to come probably in September, possibly a little bit later. But we'll just be looking for looking for the pace and how quickly they're going to reduce their balance sheet. Andrew Bailey sort of set expectations that they think it'll be somewhere between 50 and 100 billion pounds in terms of the reduction, the annual reduction in the balance sheet um, in the first year of QT. Thanks for this, Dan. Good having you on with us ahead of the BOE decision. Dan Hansen is Senior UK Economist for Bloomberg Economics. Right now, S&P futures are little changed. So are Dow futures. They're down two points. NASDAQ futures down one point. Ten-year Treasury is down 7.30 seconds. The yield 2.73%. The yield on the two-year 3.10%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, lots of sunshine, hot, humid today, going up to near 95 degrees. We'll be under heat advisory till 8 p.m. tomorrow. Low 90s tomorrow, upper 80s Saturday. Right now, 77 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 11.30 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1 to Boston. Bloomberg 106.1 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date in the news. You need to know at this hour, the S&P 500 enters this session near a two-month high. The tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 index is at its highest level since early May. Corporate earnings and healthy economic data has helped to lift sentiment. But Alifa Doriwala, managing director at Rock Creek, says she's still cautious. There could be another severe downturn, another leg to go in the S&P, and a lot of that is some of the big tech companies that could continue to get hurt because of the strong dollar and what will happen to earnings in the coming quarters if that strong dollar remains. Rock Creek's Alifa Dorewala says the recent pivot into tech might be short-lived. In the meantime, Karen, Fed officials continue talking tough on inflation. Minneapolis President Neil Kashkari says the Federal Reserve will keep doing everything in its power to cool inflation. Some financial markets are indicating that they expect us to cut interest rates next year. Uh, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it seems like that's a very unlikely scenario right now, given what I know about the underlying inflation dynamics. A more likely scenario is we would continue raising and then we would sit there. Neil Kashkari says whether the U.S. is technically in recession right now or not, his analysis doesn't change. Well, Nathan, monetary policy is also in focus overseas. The Bank of England gets set to hike interest rates in a few hours from now and could raise rates 50 basis points at today's decision. Well, back in Washington, Karen, the Senate has ratified NATO membership for Finland and Sweden. Senators voted 95 to 1 in favor of the move. And on Wall Street, it's all about corporate news this morning, Nathan. Tesla is holding its annual shareholder meeting where leadership will discuss a three-for-one stock split. And the wave of corporate downsizing shows no signs of slowing. Walmart is the latest company making the moves, cutting about 200 jobs. And we're seeing some stocks on the move this morning following yesterday's earnings. Let's get that live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John? And Nathan, Lucid Group falling as much as 13% after the luxury electric vehicle startup slashed its production target. 
This is the second time the California-based startup has reduced its output goal this year. Skills dropping 13% this morning have the mobile games company cut its full-year guidance for revenue and Clorox tumbling after its earnings guidance fell well short of analyst estimates. Sales moderated higher costs for commodities and transportation have eroded the company's profitability. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. And futures are little change this morning. Ten-year Treasury down 7.30 seconds, yield 2.73%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 78 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash eastbound cross, Bronx at Jerome Avenue. And Michael Barr has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. China says it conducted precision missile strikes in the Taiwan Strait today as part of military exercises. The drills were prompted by a visit to the island by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi this week. Speculation rises about China's threat to attack the self-governing island republic. A heat advisory is in effect for the tri-state area because of dangerously high and humid conditions. Today's high in New York will be around 94. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says he's freeing up about $100 million in federal stimulus money for the New York City schools. It comes after an outcry from among parents and some educators over the city's plan to cut hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for city schools in the current fiscal year. Conspiracy theorist Alex Jones now concedes the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012 was 100% real. A jury is now deliberating Jones's punishment in a defamation case. The parents of a six-year-old victim of the shooting successfully sued the InfoWars host for claiming the shooting was a hoax. During testimony while Jones was on the stand, there was a startling revelation from the lawyer of the parents. Mark Bankston accused Jones of lying and trying to hide evidence, including about text messages about Sandy Hook. Twelve days ago, your attorneys messed up and sent me an entire digital copy of your entire cell phone with every text message you've sent for the past two years and when informed did not take any steps to identify it as privileged or protected in any way and as of two days ago it fell free and clear into my possession and that is how I know you lied to me when you said you didn't have text messages about Sandy Hook. Did you know that? I See, I told you the truth. This is your Perry Mason moment. Attorney Mark Bankson says Jones has made the lives of the parents a living hell. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashar. Thanks, Nathan. Gary Coles, the Yankees ace. When the playoffs begin, he'll undoubtedly be on the mound. He's had an all-star season, but he's had a few clunkers. That was the night in June in Minnesota when, for the first time in his career, Cole gave up three home runs in the first inning. It happened again yesterday at the stadium. Three-run homer, Eugenio Suarez. Solo shot for Carlos Santana. Two-run blast by the Mariners, Jared Kalenic, the former Mets farmhand who's batting 133. Coleman settled down, but Seattle won 7-3, to and Cole was asked about the first inning. I have a pretty vivid recollection. I think it's sometimes a bit easier to remember the bad stuff than it is the good stuff. Um, you know, but there were some bad pitch selections. There were some bad pitches. Um, 
and, uh, you know, we got punished for it again. Luis Castillo got the win in his Mariners debut. He also beat the Yankees in the Bronx just a few weeks ago while he was with the Reds. Yanks off tonight in St. Louis tomorrow. The Mets tonight host Atlanta at the start of a huge five-game weekend series. They'll play a doubleheader Saturday if either team wins, say, four of the five. That's a three-game swing. The Mets currently three and a half games ahead of the Braves. They won in Washington nine to five. Daniel Vogelback's first Met homer was a grand slam. The game was 9 nothing before the Nats scored 5 of the ninth. Phil Mickelson, one of 11 golfers who joined the new Live Tour, now suing the PGA for antitrust violations. The NFL just hit the Dolphins, took away their first-round draft pick for tampering, trying to acquire Tom Brady. The tampering began not when Brady was with Tampa Bay. It goes back to 2019, while Brady was still with the Patriots. Bill Belichick asked about it yesterday, declined comment. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Capital One is expanding its offices on Fifth Avenue, even as other companies reconsider real estate footprints amid concerns about an economic downturn and the increase in remote work. The bank's expanding across three full floors at 114 Fifth Avenue. The state of New York claims Tyson Foods is resisting demands to provide information for an investigation into whether the meat producer engaged in price gouging during the pandemic. Attorney General Letitia James is ordering a special court proceeding to force Tyson to turn over the information. New Jersey restaurants received a two-year extension for operating outdoors, something Governor Phil Murphy says remains necessary to boost small businesses. Restaurants will be able to continue using tents and other fixtures on sidewalks, in parking lots, and elsewhere, according to legislation signed Wednesday. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk, and on WFLA Tampa Bay, we're talking about layoffs in Tampa as Shriners Hospital for Children closes a facility. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Americans are driving less than they did during the height of the pandemic. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Citadel founder and billionaire Ken Griffin has been added to the list of those that Twitter has subpoenaed in its effort to force Elon Musk to complete his purchase of the company. I'm Caroline Hetfield, Bloomberg D. Digital Radio in London, we're looking ahead to the Bank of England's decision as Britain's energy regulator moves to four price rises per year from two. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting officials in the area have shut down an automotive plant saying it was releasing cancer-causing chemicals into the Euron River. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. After a year of Democratic backsliding, Tunisia went over the edge last week when President Kais Syed institutionalized his rule with a referendum on a new constitution that gives him near absolute power. The outcome of the vote was never in doubt. Having already suspended Parliament and secured the support of the military, the autocratic Saeed had further tilted the playing field by jailing opponents and muzzling the media. Most Tunisians demonstrated their disapproval by turning their backs on the process. More than two-thirds of those eligible opted not to vote. And as economic conditions continue to worsen with the worldwide slowdown, Saeed 
Medicaid can expect little patience from young Tunisians. The next upheaval may not be long in coming. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN go. Future is moving higher on this Thursday morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather highs near 95 today with a heat advisory kicking in and lasting till tomorrow night. Low 90s chance for afternoon showers and storms tomorrow will be in the upper 80s by Saturday. Right now, 78 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and stocks are nudging higher as investors assess the corporate profit outlook while wagers on further Federal Reserve interest rate hikes lift Treasury yields and futures are little changed. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures up about four points. Dow futures are up 18 and NASDAQ futures up 12, but all pretty much a eh, little change to higher now. The DAX in Germany is up nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 5.30 seconds, yield 2.72%, and the yield on the two-year, 3.09%. NYMEX crude oil is up six-tenths of a percent, or 55 cents, at $91.21 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.1%, or $18.60, at $17.95 an ounce. The euro, 1.0195 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2174. The yen, 134.15. And Bitcoin is down 2%. It's at $22,850. As a Bloomberg Business Flash, now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with South Korean counterparts in Seoul to reassure a strong alliance between the two countries. It comes as China's military conducted military exercises around Taiwan in response to Pelosi's visit. Flags are at half-staff at the U.S. Capitol after an Indiana congresswoman was killed in a car crash. Republican Jackie Walorski, who was 58, died in the accident in northern Indiana, along with two of her staffers. In baseball, the Mariners beat the Yankees 7-3. The Mets beat the Nationals 9-5. The Red Sox and Giants lost. The Orioles and A's won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. We're just about at 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter Jack Fitzpatrick is with us from our Bloomberg 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. As we continue to monitor developments around House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip through Asia and As uh, Michael Barr just mentioned, the speaker is now in South Korea, but a lot of attention is still around Taiwan with uh, China now conducting live fire missile drills. Jack, good morning. What is the reaction to what is happening uh, between China and Taiwan now? 
Well, it's a very significant reaction. As you said, there are uh, the missile drills that China's conducting. Uh, We haven't got an exact update uh, on how long they're going to go, but the original estimate was they were going to go through Sunday. So that could continue and continue to be a a disruption uh, potentially for flights into Taiwan or out of Taiwan uh, and other activity around there. And then, of course, uh, the congressional reaction is also a a significant one. There has been a pushback from the White House uh, toward a bill that would treat Taiwan as a a non-NATO ally of the U.S., uh, essentially formalizing the relationship that's already there. Uh, That was supposed to get a committee vote in the Senate yesterday that got pushed back, and if if they continue working on it, uh, maybe even having to rewrite it, is at least delayed because of White House uh, concerns about the message that that would send, uh, delayed until at least after the August recess for Congress. So uh, politically, some ramifications here, uh, and of course, the Chinese response is a a very significant one. What is the uh, White House pushback to this idea of uh, designating Taiwan as a non-NATO ally? I mean, they've basically been treated that way for decades, right? Yes, yeah, this would essentially formalize the relationship that has existed uh, already. Uh, The issue seems to be uh, the timing, how we communicate that. That's not the only thing in the bill. It does seem to be the the most uh, objectionable part of it to the White House. There's a there are a few billion dollars, about four and a half billion dollars in security aid. Um, You know, it seems the issue is less the U.S. relationship with Taiwan and the timing of putting forth legislation uh, formalizing that on the heels of this trip by Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan at a time when China is uh, the, the Chinese government is is pushing back as hard as possible on that and trying to send a message. It seems like this trip uh, by Pelosi has sort of left some daylight between her and the White House. How much of a rift is there now between the speaker and the president? There definitely seems to be some frustration. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, the president has been asked about this a, a while back. He said, look, the military had said that they didn't think this was a good idea, that they had concerns. It may not just be a, uh, a Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden issue. It, it could be really between Pelosi and more the uh, administration's security apparatus, the, the military leaders who had concerns about this. Uh, we don't necessarily have uh, feedback that Biden himself is uh, outraged by this necessarily, but there are a lot of people who uh, had, had a lot of chores to do, I guess you could say, based on Pelosi deciding to make this trip w- on her own. This was her decision. It was not really supported uh, necessarily by the, the Biden administration, and that has, um, if not created a rift, clearly they've had to openly discuss their differences on how to approach this. All right. Well, we'll continue watching as uh, Speaker Pelosi continues making her way through Asia. Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Thanks for joining us to get us the very latest on that. Karen. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. It's time for our Bloomberg Law Report. We get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Joan Doniger. 
Republicans in Congress are seizing on the nonpartisan analysis of the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act to claim it would raise taxes on people making as little as $10,000 a year. The plan includes a 15% corporate minimum tax, which would not raise lower and middle class taxes, but could see companies pass those costs on. Exxon Mobil's lost its fight to claim a $1.5 billion tax refund from the IRS, and golfers led by Phil Mickelson are suing the PGA, charging it broke antitrust law by trying to crush the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tour. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Joan, thank you. Now another legal story that we're watching. It's the longest sentence yet for one of the Capitol rioters. A judge sentenced Guy Reffitt, a member of the Texas Three Percenters group, to more than seven years in prison for obstructing Congress and threatening his two children to keep them quiet. Reffitt's case attracted widespread attention because he was turned in by his son, who then became the government's star witness against him. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Jimmy Garuli, a professor at Notre Dame Law School. Reffitt argued for no more than two years in prison, saying most, if not all, defendants who received longer sentences had committed far worse crimes like assaulting police officers. And it's true that a man who pleaded guilty to assaulting a police officer with a fire extinguisher got five years, which was the longest sentence before Reffitt's. I think there are a couple of aggravating factors here with respect to Reffitt. One is that when he traveled from Texas to Washington, D.C. to participate in the insurrection, he brought with him a AR-15-style rifle and a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. So he was armed with a weapon. And then he participated in obstruction of justice with respect to the threats directed at his children that if they cooperated, if they disclosed his activities to law enforcement, that they would be considered traitors, in his words, and everyone knows what happens to traitors, you know, he stated. So the implication was that he would kill his children. Yeah, I think the judge took note of that. Prosecutors and defense lawyers were watching this trial to see how the obstruction charge would hold up because it's rarely used, but it's central to the cases that are coming up. Well, the obstruction charge here is unique because the focus is on the congressional proceedings and the certification of the electoral votes. And this was an attempt to interfere with that process. Here, the evidence was compelling because it was based largely on his own words, communicated through text messages, emails that clearly indicated what his intent was. I'm wondering if the judge was sending a message when she said, a message to others, when she said that his sentence would have been two years less if he had pleaded guilty. I think that's implicit. I think that there was certainly that message sent by the judge as well as a message being sent by the prosecution. Again, the prosecution was seeking a sentence of 15 years in prison. And here, while the judge didn't impose such a severe sentence, it still was a significant sentence, a little over seven years. And so I'm certain that other defendants, other individuals that were involved in the January 6th insurrection are taking note. I think the lawyers representing them are taking note. And the question is, you know, do we want to run that risk of going to trial, being convicted of multiple felonies, facing the prospect of spending several years in prison, or is the better course to enter a guilty plea, cooperate with the government, and receive a much lighter sentence? 
MS Jimmy Garuli, a professor at Notre Dame Law School, speaking with the Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. And futures this morning are, well, they're extending their gains now. S&P futures up six points. Now futures up 27. And NASDAQ futures are up 24. And the 10-year Treasury down 630 seconds. Yield 2.72%. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.